0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions
0: 18 plus. Welcome, everybody, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to the Beyond 50 radio program. I'm Daniel Davis. As many of us reach at least midlife, we discover there is definitely a story to be told about where we're at and sometimes a lot of confusion about where we want to be and definitely where we want to go. So calls our particular guest when she was nearing 50 and grieving the death of her husband. Our guest sold almost everything she owned. Bought an around-the-world airline ticket and set off on a year-long solo journey. Months of solitude and loneliness challenged her to examine her old ideas and explore her deepest longings in the search for who she might become in her new life. Sounds like a lot of us, doesn't it? I'd like to welcome to the Beyond 50 radio program today, our guest, Judy Reeves, who co-founded the Writing Center, a nonprofit literary arts organization which had a glorious, albeit brief, five-year life as the center of San Diego, California's literary community. Teaching is something she loves to do, and she's also penned a book that we're going to talk about as well. Judy, thank you for joining us here on the program.
1: Hello, Dan. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me on.
0: Now, it's pretty fascinating because uh, there was a time that I worked for the Hilton Hotel chain, and part of what I did is that I would work in the banquets department, and so we'd get large gatherings of groups, uh, usually for certain events that they had. One of them that was pretty common that I would see would be, call them like spiritual retreats, if you will. And what I found there were mostly women and mostly in midlife seeking spiritual answers to... What do I do with myself, and where do I go next? Tell us how your story began, because I shared some of it earlier.
1: Yes, you did. Thank you. And and this is such a common theme um, for so many women. I'm beyond <laughs> beyond that place now, although I must say I continue seeking. But at that time, um, as I was nearing 50, my husband uh Got lung cancer and it uh, wasn't long at all before he died from that. And so I was alone for the first time, since you know, since leaving uh, leaving home after high school. I was alone for the first time, and uh, didn't know now what now who, who am I now? What do I do now? Because I had always been identified with something else. You know, I'm Judy Reeves, and I um, I'm Judy Reeves, and I you know am. A pop Warner football mom. I'm Judy Reeves, and I do PR. I'm Judy Reeves, and I do radio. I did radio for a while, by the way, and I love radio. <laughs> um, and so then here I am at this place in my life um, saying, and now, and now what? And the, and so the seeking wasn't just an outward seeking. It was an inward seeking. And that's why I, I, I met someone when I was traveling Um, in budapest and she said but judy did you have to leave home to do this and for me i did have to leave home to do it i needed that time away from all that was to be with now what with who am i now
0: yeah it's important too i think but people you know you don't have to change your environment but it's not a bad idea because it shakes loose basically the life rut and i don't say rut is a bad thing but you're just kind of in that groove where you won't see or experience things you know to be different you won't see a different side of yourself because it's so ingrained with what's around you would you agree that that was kind of the case for you
1: Oh, absolutely. With everything so familiar, you really don't have to challenge yourself too much. You know, Um, I can go to this restaurant and I can order what I usually order. I know what this tree looks like. I know how to get to the dry cleaners. So if you go away, there you are all of a sudden. And I'm directionally (laughs) challenged anyway. And I got lost so many times. And each time having to rely on myself and say, now what direction? And I don't mean just outwardly, but I mean inwardly as well. What do I like to eat for myself? <laughs> you know, uh, uh, what time do I like to eat? How do I like to, you know, what time do I like to get up in the morning? All these things had been dictated by others and uh, and by a life I had created, which was a, a, a wonderful life. I don't mean to say that it wasn't, but... Um, just all of those, you know, challenging myself to make decisions for myself based on who am I now,
0: Right. what matters to me. Yeah. When you talk about making decisions, it's difficult enough when you're in a relationship for either or to make decisions. Well, what would you like to do? And I hear this all the time. Well, no, I don't know. What would you like to do? What would you like to have? (laughs) Yes. You know, getting out there in the world on your own, just as you're saying, you know, becomes real challenging, but it kind of also becomes liberating, too, when you realize I'm starting to really find my own destiny or at least my own direction, my own feet, my own journey. Tell us what that was like for you.
1: It was at times filled with anxiety and at other times filled with delight and everything that would go in between what time you know where do I want to go next because I didn't have a plan or an agenda when I left home I knew okay I'm gonna I had an around the world airline ticket which means you go the same direction all the time so if I started going you know east I had to keep going east until I came around home again Um, and so but where will I go next Uh, and so much would depend upon (laughs) <laughs> where I was and just um gosh the exploration was was you know looking back on it now after all of these years i i'm kind of grinning to myself even as i talk about it thinking gosh i i kind of want to go again <laughs> you know um just uh what it was like for me though was that um endless choices and realizing that my attitude toward those choices, I guess I want to say, um, what would bring me joy? What would bring me, um, uh, where could I learn something new? Where could I experience something new? And I did, and I'm a, a a real outward going person. I usually, you know, very socially will talk to anyone. But during that trip, it was really interesting to see this more inward person and uh, who I chose to talk to and where I chose to go. I'm not much one for tours, and uh, so I didn't do a lot of that kind of thing. I was mostly what I like to call a flaneur, you know, a flaneuse, just kind of wandering around. Um, I know a lot of people say, gosh, that sounds kind of scary. Sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and I th- I think, um, well, one thing for me, I am a member of 12-step groups, so I did have that almost everywhere I went. It was a place that I could go to meetings in English-speaking meetings almost anywhere in the world that I could go to. So that was kind of a safe place for me. And um, another safe place for me, um, I would... Wherever I was, especially in Europe, so many grand cathedrals and churches, and I knew I could go in there almost any time and just light a candle and sit and be peaceful. Um, And that was a very calming calming way for me to deal with when I got overwhelmed with what I didn't know on the outside, in the outside world.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, uncertainty certainly keeps our feet feeling like they're stuck and heavy. Um, Now, especially if you don't have somebody there with you that kind of gives you that sense of certainty, at least you can count on them. And now you're in the situation that it's just you to count on. Uh, How long did it take before it became familiar to the point that it was comfortable for you to be able to say, I'm Judy, this is the direction I'm going. I'm not making any bones about it.
1: Um, what day is today? (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) I, um, (laughs) you know, because at the time I was traveling, Dan, it was also the build-up to the first Gulf War. And so that was always in the background, too, uh, that, that building up toward it. And so there was that factor that was involved. But I, I, I. It was, gosh, that's a hard question because I can't pinpoint it. There would be sometimes in a certain place um where I would say, I'm staying here for a week or I'm gonna stay here for ten days and then I would begin to have a routine and I would know where the market was where I could get bread or where I could buy fruit or I would have a cafe where I would go and they would know you know, finally know me <laughs> after going there every day. So I think there were interludes of being Comfortable, and then I would, for whatever reason, get that urge to not get too comfortable, but to go on to the next place. Um, I and so then I would kind of go over it again and again and again. And I think part of that urge came from when I was a, a little girl. My father uh, had a giant atlas, world atlas, that was a uh, bigger than my lap and he would we would sit together and look at that atlas and he would turn the pages and he would say the names of places and i was intrigued to go to some of those places and he hadn't been a great traveler either but he and i had that in common that we both wanted to to go and to see and to experience um this this amazing wild wide world that we have so um yeah so it was intermittent i would say when i felt comfortable And then when I did feel comfortable, push myself to go to the next place.
0: There you go. Now, you uh, wrote a, I guess we could call it a memoir, correct? Yes, it is a memoir. Go, And it's pretty fascinating because that's also a wonderful creative way. And women are actually more consistent about this, especially later on in their lives that I've noticed, than men are. But, you know, there's certainly a creative release that goes on there. During your journey of writing this memoir, what really opened up for you that kind of felt different, seemed different for you?
1: I had kept all the time that I, I've been a a journal writer my whole life, and all the time that I was traveling, I kept a journal. And when I started writing the memoir, which came as kind of a surprise, I didn't know I was going to do that. I just sat down one day and opened my notebook and said, this is a memory and and began writing and i i think um what happened to me and what was surprising to me was how clear um some of those memories were from 30 years previous um the 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 people that i met or some of the um some of the things that i saw and i don't know whether they were so clear because i had kept a journal of the time I was traveling, or just because of being alone, uh, I took more in on a deeper level than maybe I, I would have. And that, that kind of surprised me, I um, that how much I actually remembered and opening up those memories, the emotional content that was beneath them. Of, of of what reminded me of this, uh, what reminded me of that, and how connected my whole life, I guess all of our lives are, right, through those, through those memories of, of writing, um, writing something and then remembering another time that we were there and going back to another time that we were there, just pulling that thread all through our lives and the people that we meet um, and what they meant to us. I think it's a wonderful, you know, writing our stories. I absolutely believe is so important to us. Whether we write them in a, a day at a time kind of journal, or whether we um, write them for nobody but ourselves, or whether we do as I have done and so many others have done, putting it in a in a memoir and then and then telling our stories to one another. I'm I'm just so convinced that that's how we connect as human beings.
0: Of course. Now, were there any surprise memories as you were writing this that you thought, where'd that come from?
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. How can we remember exactly what our mother said to us when we were eight years old? (laughs) But there it was. There it was. My mother saying, you always make things so complicated, Judy. And I, (laughs) <laughs> and here I am making things complicated still. So there were those kind of wonderful surprises that um, and, and just other things that, oh, the, the the seeing this kind of a tree in this place, you know, maybe it was a sycamore that I happened to see, I don't know, in Austria, in Salzburg. And it was, oh, we have sycamores when I was a girl growing up in Missouri. I remember those trees. I remember what they looked like. Yeah, so those kind of lovely surprises that happened.
0: The other thing, too, is you start realizing the little phantoms that you have inside of yourself uh, when you grow up um, that your parents, and they mean well. I mean, they only parent the Mm way they parent, but tell us about some of those and how, when you came to see or experience these phantoms, um, how that might have changed your outlook as well.
1: Um, I'm, I'm of an age and I know many probably of your, of your women listeners might be of the same age when our mother said things to us like, uh, take typing so you'll have something to fall back on. Uh, you know, and, and this is what's open to, you know, for you to do. And, and, you know, women don't do this and, and girls don't do that. And you sit like this and, all of these kinds of things um, and don't talk to strangers and <laughs> all of those warning things that, as you say, they're meant, to keep, they're meant well and they're meant to keep us safe, but in so many ways they limit us. And, um, and one of the things that was so interesting to me, I, I made a lot of connections with my mother, actually, um, although she has long, you know, was long gone, but... Um, well, not at that time, but but when I was writing the memoir, she had been long gone. And I was, for example, um, thinking about her often. I remember one time I was at Tivoli Gardens and it was at night and there were thousands and thousands of lights. And as I stood there looking at some lights that were made to look like lilacs, which was my mother's favorite flower. And I thought, I wish she could see this, not with me as a as mother and daughter, but just her as herself to experience the magic of it. I found myself wondering often about whether my mother um, ever had dreams, and I'm sure she must have, I think we all do, had dreams beyond what her life was. Um, it was a it was an interesting, a kind of a healing journey. In fact, you know what, Dan? Just asking me about this now, I'm I'm realizing how meaningful that was to me then and is even now. Hmm. That's thank you mm. for that. <laughs> that's interesting. Sometimes,
0: in conversation, will actually take people to places they totally forgot about because they're free flowing, and that's usually one of the biggest reasons I think our creativity at times gets stifled is that we Think too much.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Well, I just want to thank you for opening up this conversation to allow me to go to that place this morning. That, that's. Thank you for that. Uh, but I agree, we do. You know, we're we're in our heads so much that uh, a lot of that, and which is one of the reasons that I like journaling so much. You know, because you can get out of your head and just open up and and just write whatever. Um, I I find that when I'm Doing something that's kind of rhythmic, like if I'm out for a walk and I'm not necessarily thinking about anything, but just being present in that walk, that ideas will come of some problem that I was trying to think, you know, the solution to at home. But once I get out and stop thinking about it, then the solution or the answer or another way or a door open will will come.
0: Now I'm curious, Judy. Let's uh, talk about the places you journeyed. Was there a particular place you wanted to go to first? If so, why? What was it that drew you to that
1: place? Um, I, I, um, Paris was always on my mind because I'm such a romantic. <laughs> For some reason, Budapest had been on my mind, and I, I wanted to go to Budapest. Um, I had. The only plan I did have was to go to the Soviet Union. At that time, it was the Soviet Union. Um, and that was the one time I, I met up with a group was when we traveled there. But um, yeah, so so those those places, and I had plans to go to places that I didn't get to because I had to leave before the year was up because of the I was in India when the Gulf War broke out. Um, I had wanted to go to Thailand and I'd wanted to go to Nepal, some of those places. But some of those beautiful um, Greece, because I I I so like the Greece myths, and I felt like I could find a deeper connection uh, on a spiritual level if I went to, to Greece. And in fact, that did happen for me. So... Um, yeah, you know, going back to those days of looking at that world atlas with my father um and and just some of the names of the places that he would say and that we would say together and I would want to go there and and um how you know how lucky that I got to and I still want to there are more places on my list that I would like to go.
0: Mm-hmm. Now tell us what the experience was like versus what your imagination was.
1: Hmm, the experience versus my imagination. Ah, <laughs> I, th- I think I saw myself in a more romantic light than the day in and day out, um, going from here to there was, maybe. Um, I imagined myself um, lolling on the beach here and there and... Um, you know, and 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 then these wonderful little pensions, these wonderful romantic pensions, and traveling on the budget that I was, they weren't always those romantic little pensions. And the reality of it, of of my meals, for example, um, of what I would eat, because I didn't know, always know what to order or what would be good or what what things were. And so, I I think I imagined myself so much more worldly than I. <laughs> And I was, and then I am now. Um, yeah, I would I would say that I was confused a lot of the time. I I didn't know what I was doing so much of the time, and in my imagination, I I saw myself as much more oh sophisticated <laughs> than the <laughs> than the girl with blisters on her feet, you know, and okay. stains on her t-shirt. <laughs>
0: What place brought you the biggest surprises do you think
1: I beg your pardon say that one again
0: and what place brought you the biggest surprises do you think um,
1: the biggest surprises um, uh, wow <laughs> um, i i i i can't i i don't know isn't that something what brought me the biggest surprises? Um it was uh, so much of it was internal I think and so the surprises were more inside myself than they were outside myself um the biggest surprises Ask me another question. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: So, what did you decide, or how did you decide what to put in your memoir? Um,
1: I, I I thought that my memoir first would be a kind of a hybrid memoir. That is, it would be I would write a lot about how we remember and about memory, and I would have information about memory, and then I would have, that would be uh, alternating with my. Um, with my memories themselves. But as I got to writing, um, and and how it came about, I realized, uh, you know, was my theme looking for home? Was my theme um, a spiritual seeking? Was my theme a healing from the loss of my husband and so many other losses in my life? And so once I finally, after like maybe the third or fourth, I don't know how far into the drafts, realized that um, what it was was a search for self, then that's kind of helped me get rid of some of those, I don't know, over 300 and some pages, almost 200,000 words. I got rid of so much of that and shaped it down to be the 90, 90, 90, that's about 90,000 now, that is the search for self. And in that searching for myself, I'm Judy Reeves. um, I was, and then I brought back certain childhood memories that influenced those, that search and influenced that discovery of who I am. And also, Decided, and also it was important for me to to keep alive the time with Tom, my husband, to keep alive those memories, and to write the progression of of of, of our relationship and of his illness and ultimately his death. Because in so many ways, that was a, a new life for me. You know, was was his death and being able to write my grieving and write my sorrow and to heal from that was also important for me to include in it so it's really the out the outer story of the journey of all the places that I went and the experiences that I had were a container for that inner journey to finding self and what I what and what that path was bringing all of these breadcrumbs from previous you know years, um, and life and, 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 and experiences bringing that along with me. And so I guess in a way, when we say it's a search for, you know, a search for self in a way, it is a search for home, I think. And it is a spiritual seeking. So it did bring all of those, um, all of those together.
0: You remind me of a, uh, its a term in India used by the Hindus called Lila. L I L A, and what that is is the term is God playing hide and go seek with itself is basically huh. the term. And it's funny because they're of the thought that God hides in the most obvious place that you probably won't look right away. And if you've never <laughs> ever go seek, that that's exactly how that game is. It's a funny reveal because I found that I became sort of the best at it by simply hiding in a place that was right in front of you.
1: (laughs) It's so true, isn't it? Um, The miracle. I'm sorry, please you. I'm sorry.
0: No, and I was going to say, and so, you know, the real uh, key to it was learning how to stay still. So you could literally be invisible almost standing in front of somebody. Not that that's entirely true, but Whereas, you know, most people would go and hide in faraway places, you'd have boundaries, of course, but you realize that's how true that that term Lila is, that we seek to find ourselves as children, we knew what that was. We just know it intuitively, I believe.
1: And then as we
0: grow up and we get past, say, the ages of five, six and seven, somehow that memory and that knowing seems to fade away. And then we're reaching outside of ourselves, hence going for that faraway place we think someone else is hiding to find out what that is. And the hard part, I think, is that some people probably never arrive. And I don't know that you're ever totally ever meant to arrive, but to get as far on that journey as you can to be to find that that person, that self. What was that for you like?
1: it was a, it was like that and 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 i think that w- what we talked about earlier about the f- being in the familiar we don't have uh you know we can just keep doing the same thing and you use the word rut and it is that in a way and it's not the, meaning that bad but but meaning that that's the groove that we live in but to take yourself out of that and to be still um yes to be still and that's the thing isn't it um and, and certainly that was my experience um and and i would be and, and and seeing so many things that were unfamiliar to me um that would cause me to just be still and very small things you know uh, th- that i would see um and just watching and not participating but but just being being present and not participating interacting so that I don't have to think of what I'm going to say or how I look or any of that but just taking it all in and taking it all in and and seeing some gentle gesture between you know maybe maybe it's a grandmother and her grandson uh uh just some gentle gesture that I would notice that maybe I wouldn't notice in my ordinary day in and day out life because I wouldn't be observing. I would be participating, um, and I, yeah, having that open heart, uh, being willing to have a kind of—do uh, I want to use the word innocence? Uh, it, you know, as we uh, as we go through the world to 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 see things, and and what you said, yes, we know who we are, and we are absolutely that until they start putting and saying don't do this and do that and here's how you do this and all of those rules and guidelines and all of that before that that freedom to just be in the world and I think maybe that's some of what I was allowing myself as I was traveling was just to be present and be and take in and see something for the first time that seeing it for the first time in a different way you know maybe I had seen some gesture before but I didn't see it with that same kind of wonder um, and innocence. Yeah, I think that. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, you were talking earlier about your relationship uh, growing up with your mother, and uh, as you began writing, you were reflecting on that relationship as we talked about, but also uh, you are a mother yourself, correct?
1: I am. I'm a mother and a grandmother and a great grandmother now, most recently. Oh, well. Yeah. Yes, I know.
0: <laughs> As you've taken this journey, uh, and your relationships with these people in your life now, your children—that is—and
1: and how how is that now different? Do you mean? Yeah.
0: yeah, is yeah. it Different. Uh, sure. Well, how describe what that is like for you?
1: Um, I. You know, I this kind of goes along with that thread that what you were talking about. Recently, I my my great-granddaughter just uh, will be 4 in January, and I recently had time to spend a couple of hours with her just she and I sitting together um and her um and the delight and and her imagination and just how she was whatever it was, she was fascinated by what we were talking about. And I did some of those stupid magic tricks that you do about where's your thumb and you know, here's this finger and it was just delightful and playful. And I think maybe now I'm that way more with my adult children as well. Um, you know, my daughter is um one of my very best friends and we, we play together a lot. It's so much nicer, <laughs> easier um more heartful if I can use that word, to have adult relationships with my children now, that I don't have to be doing those things that we do when we're trying to guide them. Uh now I often find myself guided by them and their experience in the world, um, which I which I really uh want and need. You know, how how is it for them and and to look at it from what they know of the world that I don't know because of their more recent experience in certain areas.
0: I like now, it. In, as we've <laughs> talked about, just briefly, we talk about that inner person, and you even, <clears throat> excuse me, mentioned that in the beginning of the program about that internal me. Uh, who is that now? What is the inner container, if you will? And how would the listeners uh, here today listening uh, find a way that they can do
1: that? I've mentioned um, journaling many times. And I think that quiet time alone with ourselves when we're able to, uh, and I write by hand because I, I like the physical connection of it. Um, And so I think, for me, my experience and the experience of so many others i've talked to about this um is 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 to have that time alone where you're comfortably phys- comfortable physically because you have to have that kind of physical i think comfort and then the psychic comfort that that knowing that you're safe to be able to do that inner looking within through through journaling for me and um maybe for others it's another kind of creative expression um whether it's dancing or painting or creating any kind of art or cooking or gardening or whatever but i think that's how we find me <laughs> and and being attuned to the, the the physical self of being attuned to the physical self because when i was traveling i was uncomfortable so often because i was lost, I had anxiety about where to go next and what bus do I take and how much money is this now, Um, that just going, as I I mentioned about going into the churches and lighting the candle and just sitting and and being still, I think, and and tuning inward, you know, tuning inward without the thoughts, I think is how we find the me. Mm Mm-hmm. And there's the yeah, challenge a challenge, too, of, of, of going out into the world and, and making those decisions and choices by yourself as opposed to asking someone else, well, what do you want? Well, what do you want? Well, where do you want to go? As, as you talked about earlier, too.
0: Yeah, I know. It's fascinating because you see a, a really interesting dynamic about that because we grow up hearing how don't be selfish because as children apparently we're looked at as being selfish little creatures, you know, what we want.
1: <laughs> we are is, selfish little creatures.
0: <laughs> that's what I want to suggest. And I told people, I said, you have to be selfish, and you'll get to a point where you are no longer selfish. And sometimes people might ask me, well, when do I know when that is? And I said, mm-hmm. when you finally come to realize that your life is dedicated to be in service, and what i mean by that is that you become in service of others using the special gifts that you have that you uniquely have and as you begin to do that you open up a whole different world about who you truly are would you say that was pretty much kind of like your experience
1: dan that just says so perfectly what i what my one of my very core beliefs is is that each of us is given these particular gifts, whatever they might be for you. Obviously yours is, you know, talking to people on the radio and getting them to say things and discover things they didn't know they even thought about. Um, and, you know, I'm a, I'm a teacher and I teach writing. Some other people, you know, have the gift of singing or they have the gift of creating these beautiful homes for people or meals. And I think if we each, yes, use our gift to the fullest then that gives that brings uh that will make the take all of us to a higher plane that that if we each go come from that place of of what our gift is and and live that fully then uh the world will be a better place and we are we're discovering and connecting and and finding things in ways that left alone we would not be able to do. So I, I I love the way that you put that. I think it's just so true for me too.
0: Now, it makes me wonder, did you have a career when you were married? Was there a place you went to work, that sort of thing?
1: All my life, I have been a commercial writer. I worked in radio, television, newspapers. I did PR um, uh, and worked for other organizations. And ultimately, Tom and I had our own Uh, company uh, where we did um, um, materials for other organizations for communications. Um, That was the business that I sold. But yes, all all my life, uh, you know, as as soon as I was finished with school, I mean, I went to college at night and worked during the day. Um, So I have always, always had a a job of some kind. And I say a job. Yeah. So it was a career, um, not in one place, but certainly always it included writing.
0: So that was certainly your way then, correct?
1: I think so. Yes, I knew from the time I was a little girl that I was meant to be a writer. And so of course when my mother said take typing, you'll have something to fall back on, I'm already doing it, right? Because I'm going to be a writer. Um so uh yeah, so that was that was my way of being in the world, just just following that because I knew that's that it was what I what I did well um and i say what i did well in two ways in one way i did i did it well because it felt right to me to be doing it and then i did it well because of the response i got from other people that it you know that they they would say i like that or that's good or do more of that um so i i just knew that that's what i that's what i'm supposed to do
0: I bring that up. I know it's important because you talk about being involved uh, with a 12-step program and that you were able to connect with people from around the world that are finding themselves recovering. And I'm curious about the stories that you must have heard over uh, the span that you've been involved with the 12-step program to where people have resentment and regret, for instance, in their life choices, the big one being the career choice, or I didn't follow my bliss, or, you know, I, I now know what I believe it is I'm supposed to do, but I feel that at this point, it's too late. And I always suggest to people, the only time it's too late is when you're six feet under, and you can't do much about it.
1: But if you can do it,
0: you need to, because that's the fuel of your spiritual, uh, I would call it, enlivenment if you will is that you're fulfilling what your soul's purpose is the agreement that you made when you decided to come into this life the lessons you decided to learn that's why you have the gifts that you have have you encountered a lot of that kind of you know talk from people or sort like i said sort of remorse or resentment that geez i wished i had not done this but sort of is the phrase that you might here
1: Yes, and and not you know not so much in um, the twelve step programs and within the recovery field, but I would say that more as a teacher of writing, I have heard that, um, and certainly from women, you know, I've I've worked with because I teach adults, I don't teach children. I'm I'm a, a, a teach I work with adults, and so they will come to me after a career of um, being a lawyer or p- being paramedic, bio, you know all of these other things that they have been and they finally say now finally I'm retired I can do this and I'm and I want to say and I do say to young people too you know do it now it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to earn a living doing what your gift is you know we all have to earn a living to get on in this world but is there some way like for me knowing I was going to be a writer is there a way that I can bring that into a world where I can you know, have a job and earn a living. Or, in, in fact, I was just talking to a young woman at a writing um, workshop last night. Um, and she she says, I, I want to do this, but I don't, it, how do I get published? And, you know, what, and how am I going to make a living? And so I'm saying, you know, that's not why you're doing it. Don't, you know, don't, don't look toward that end right now. Just do what you're you know, do what you're given to do. Just do the writing now. Write your stories now. Write whatever you want. I don't know what to write. She said, just write whatever you want. You know, whatever comes to you. Take a class. Do this. You know, discover that. And um, I yeah. So I I agree with you. It's never too late. It's never too late. And I think that it's important for us to set aside the time to give to. There we are again, right? That's so selfish that I'm going to take, you know, an hour a day for my own writing rather than do this or do that. But it isn't. It isn't. That word "selfish" has kind of a bad reputation, doesn't it? Um, Yeah.
0: Language, you know, as you travel to areas like you said, Nepal, it takes on, especially in the east, a much different meaning (laughs) than the one we, you know, attribute to it here.
1: The, the, the I'm sorry, because that was cut off a little bit. I didn't hear the beginning of what of, of what you said. Saying, uh,
0: the word selfish has a much different oh. meaning, like you said you had traveled to Nepal and the areas in the East uh, than it does here in the West. You know, here it's, you, you don't do anything for anybody but yourself. Well, you should be because it's yourself you're trying to find in the first place. And yeah. then again, yeah. you know, when, when you filled that cup, so to speak, and you're able to help others fill theirs is to the point that you explode and you have an abundance in yourself. And, uh, you know, to me, I love the American dream and the spirit of it. But I think that over the last 70, 80, 100 years, it's been bastardized uh, to mean something that it really isn't. The idea that you come over here and you, you accumulate wealth and that's what it's all about. It's like, no, that's not really what it is. It's the pursuit of happiness. Yes. And that in America you actually have, better than in a lot of countries, and I've done some traveling myself, that you have a greater opportunity to not only achieve the capacity of pursuing your happiness here and the freedom because we get to travel in and out of all of our borders that there will be that time that you may actually earn a living, even a great living doing that, but you'll realize when you get to that level that you're actually earning that living, it's because you're truly doing it for the love of doing it and that it's in service to others to give your creativity to the world. And I think that's, you know, it's just it's an exhilarating feeling, you know, and I'm sure that people that you've worked with you know, as they want to begin their writing practice, I've always wanted to write a book, pen a book for whatever kind of book that they want. And they get to that point and they realize, wow, I never thought I could feel this way. And I think one of the things you might suggest as I read here is that also don't have hard-lined expectations about outcomes. Just oh go gosh, in the direction it yeah. unfolds.
1: Absolutely, those expectations are the, they they lead to disappointment, don't they? <laughs> they they almost always do. So if we can just to be open to um, this is what I, you know this is I mean I think we do have to have some kind of this is what I want I'm going to write every, you know I'm going to let's just say I'm I'm going to write every day I'm going to take this time and I'm going sure. to do it and then I have that do i have that expectation of myself but maybe not the expectation of where it's going to take me just that i'm going to do it now i'm going to do it today whatever that might be um yeah the idea uh so many people and you probably have talked to any number of them too dan that say well as soon as i you know i had some a a, a student came to me once he wanted to write a, a screenplay in six months and then he would sell it, and then he would have enough money that he could retire, and he could ride all the time, <laughs> you know, and that's just, what a wow. disappointment that is, yeah, as you say, it's we're setting ourselves up for disappointment.
0: Right, yeah, you know, it's it's amazing, too, when you set that aside, I remember when I first embarked uh, in radio, was actually, I was in my early, going close to my mid-30s, and it was something I always wanted to do more as a disc jockey, from the disc jockeys yes. that I used to look Back in the 1970s and <laughs> yeah. I really not done that per se, but how I, when I decided to get started, it was really fascinating because it was with the PBS network and I started as a volunteer and he says, well, what do you want to do here? And I told him and he says, great, I've got this person coming in and here's the book. Why don't you go ahead and do the interview? And I thought, well, I didn't expect it to happen that fast. That's the other <laughs> cool thing is that you never know how fast it's going to come towards you once you open that gate And the next thing I know, I started learning the game uh, very quickly and meeting face-to-face with people live and doing interviews with people that I would have never thought I'd be talking to, see? And that, to me, was a real fulfillment. But here was the trap. So it was about six or eight months down the road. I'm doing this. I'm just in total bliss, uh, enjoying myself. And somebody says, well, how much are they paying you to do that? And sort of the discipline. But that I had with myself as well. I'm not really earning anything. I'm volunteering. And so the way they attach the label that it's not worth doing if you're not being paid, I'm here sure. to say more than a plus years later, take that philosophy and throw it right out the window and burn it because it has no place when you're in pursuit of this, you will be rewarded in ways you can't even imagine. And I'm sure you can speak to that as well.
1: Oh absolutely and I I like that what you brought up about doing it as a volunteer because if we're out there just looking for a job doing what we this then first of all we have to learn right and what better way than to volunteer someplace to learn how to do this as you did at the at the radio station um and uh, uh and and as you say you when the door you know the door will open when you're ready to walk through it i think um and and the gifts that will come so absolutely having just imagining that well, I'll do this so that I can earn this much money. No, do this because it brings you joy because it's fulfilling for you, and if it's fulfilling for you and you're and you're doing what you were meant to do, then who knows i'm I'm still you know. I don't have any idea that ever that I will become a rich woman by my writing. Oh my goodness. No. (laughs) But I, but it's not that I like the life that I have. And, um, but yeah, to do it because of the joy and it does bring me joy. And I'm, I'm just grinning. I'm just sitting here. Here we are on the phone. I'm looking out my window. I'm grinning. You've made me so happy. (laughs) This has just been really been wonderful. Thank you, Dan. I didn't. Well, once again, I didn't know what to expect. I'm going to do this this radio show, and here here I am, and you've just uh, brightened my day. So, thank you.
0: Well, Judy, there was also a point too I wanted to make on something you just said. She said that you said, "Well, I'll probably never be rich by my writing." Okay. However, you become deeply enriched as a result oh, of your yes. writing. There's Absolutely. the fulfillment. Yes, absolutely. Way to get you what you need, you know, that it will feed you, that it will. That's just it. Is When you get to that point, I think what I think is really marvelous about this conversation as well and and your experiences, you'll come to a point that you live in service of others. You realize that you're using all the special creative skills that you personally have in your toolbox. You'll find that it's almost unlimited, you know, that you're in abundance in ways that you couldn't even imagine, life will find a way to reward that. And again, you can't look outside yourself. That's what I meant about the American dream is the idea is you come here and you build wealth. Yeah, that can happen. But that shouldn't be the journey because you come to realize the journey truly is the reward. That It's because of your desire. It's because of the goals, the special things you want to experience in your life that give you that path, that direction. It's sort of like in the novel, The Teachings of Don Juan by Carlos Castaneda, where Don Juan simply says, my only goal in life is to travel the path that has heart. And should mm. I ever read end, they're all stand looking onto the horizon breathlessly. That's pretty powerful stuff.
1: That's pretty powerful stuff. <laughs> mm. I have this little note that sits right here on my desk. It's so wrinkled up and bent now and stained. It says that I'm here is a wonderful mystery to which joy is a natural response. And I, that I did what you were just saying there, you know, the journey of the heart, the path of the heart that that made me think of that little note that I have stuck on my computer.
0: Now, I think also what's wonderful, too, to bring up as we get back to you writing the memoir and being involved in the writing community, the communications community, if you want to call it that as well, is that I've encouraged people on the show, if you begin to follow your dreams, you know, just pursue them. Say, you know, I'm going to just do this. One thing that I would suggest to them is to pick up memoirs such as yours or biographies or autobiographies. And and the reason I suggest that to people is. Is read these stories and you'll realize that all these successes that everybody loves to promote out there about this one person who became self-made. There's no such thing as anybody who's self-made. That's my opinion, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen anybody actually argue against it. But the point is, as you read these stories and you realize that path to that perceived success has never been linear. <laughs> but they struggle. <laughs> Many, 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 many years, you know, and, and when you come to see that, you'll say, then where I'm at is okay. <laughs>
1: <Just keep laughs> yeah, the long and winding, the long and winding road.
0: <laughs> now, Judy, is there a website people can find out more about your work and what you're up to? And what do you have plans? Uh, what's in front of you?
1: Yes, I would love for people to find me through my website which is judyreaveswriter.com, and um I uh am doing uh, a number of different uh workshops and talks and 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 so on like that so I will be out there doing doing that kind of thing. I have a couple of them lined up and um and, and I I list them on my website. And I uh, have a newsletter, too, that people can subscribe to if they would like to. Um, as for me, I uh, recently got a, a, a book from a friend who says, uh, her, her, the name of her book is Artist is a Verb. It's a daily reader to support you in building creative practice and in inspired life. And she writes about how we have to do our art every day. Um, she's a visual artist. And I uh, when I read that book, I was so inspired that in the middle of it, I started, I opened my notebook and started writing every day. I'm just going to capture a moment. I'm just going to write a moment. And so as far as my writing, that's the next thing that I'm doing. But I would love to share um, other people's stories. I would love them to share their stories with me, however we could connect, whether it would be an online class or an in-person something or emails or whatever.
0: Mm -hmm. Great. And go ahead and give out that website one more time for us.
1: Uh, JudyReevesWriter.com. R-E-E-V-E-S-V-S in Victor is my my name. JudyReevesWriter.com.
0: Well, Judy, thank you so much for taking the journey path toward us and allowing us to share your story with the world. It's been a lot of fun.
1: Thank you, Dan. I have just, um, it's just been a wonderful thing for me. I'm, I'm, sitting here
0: grinning as i said thank you for that all day i think thank you so much again judy for your for your time thank you we want to thank you the listeners out there for tuning in you can discover more at beyond 50 radio.com that is the number 50 we do encourage you to sign up for our weekly e-newsletter and keep up to date with what's going on in the world of beyond 50 as well as our upcoming shows I'm Daniel Davis. Thank you for joining us. This is the Beyond 50 radio program. And remember, wherever you are is where you should be. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess. Uh Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do
0: I have to say? Yes, you do.
1: In the car
0: before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.